Besides every song I sing, tell you about a reality. You're living in a virtual reality. You're sucking on the tit that feeds you lies. Getting screwed by a system of ties to our demise. We are blamed. Why blame us? That's insane. All we know is pain. Control us for 300 years. Our epitome of fears is in a machine that broke us. Made us get out of focus. Preacher told us, stop that hocus pocus. Look what we had. Our culture was just a fad. What they didn't still do is sad. It makes me mad. Why be racist? It's made us faceless. Made us into your slaves. Land slaves for your wage. In this first world country, you're the entire Repeat and recycle. Put more money in guns. We make war to be free. We make war to be free. Are we really? Giving him my all. Giving him my all. Gotta stand tall cause I'm giving him my all. Good morning. Welcome to Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM. My name is Christina. I use pronouns she, her. And my name is Karan and I use the pronouns he, him. How good is it to listen to Christina's voice as opposed to my dull voice being like, good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Christina's back for like basically a day. Yeah. Basically an hour. Yeah, I'm leaving back to my firefighting base up north right after this. Very upsetting. It feels very strange to be back here, but I'm glad for it. You're here. You're here. <laughs> the UMFM 101.5 broadcasts from the University of Manitoba campuses, which are located on the stolen lands of Anishinaabeg, Nehiawak, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. We respect the treaties that were made on these territories. We acknowledge the harms and mistakes of the past and those that are still ongoing in the present. We acknowledge our privilege as settlers on this land, and we dedicate ourselves to move forward in partnership with Indigenous communities in the spirit of decolonization and collaboration. Thank you, Karan. So we've taken a little, a couple trips here and there. Yeah, yeah. I think think that we've just been very busy I thought that summer was going to be much more relaxed, but, you know, now you're working this horrendously important but also horrific job. (laughs) And I'm just, you know, struggling with my three jobs. And it's just been like, oh, we haven't had the chance to catch up with one another, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you took a trip for the... Yeah, so I started working with uh, amazing, amazing university students and some that have left university but still dedicate themselves to, you know, safety on campuses or at any post-secondary institutions. It's uh, with a nonprofit called Students for Consent Culture, and I had the chance to go to Ottawa to, because, you know, it's students from all over Canada, and it was really... It was great. I got the chance to meet so many great activists who care for a multitude of causes and, you know, just organizing with one another and getting together and showing love and solidarity and, you know, brainstorming on how we're going to survive and <laughs> make yeah. sure make sure that we cause a ruckus in all administrations it was was great. It was great. Please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that that kind of work is being done because if, if I even think about, um, the amount of time that I'm, I'm kind of spending in small towns for my summer job <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. year, cause I'm a forest firefighter. Um, <laughs> I have yeah. to say that in case there's ever a new listener, Cran's tired of me saying that, but no, no, I'm <laughs> tired of myself saying that. I'm like every episode I'm like, ugh, Christina's fighting fires. <laughs> She's not here. <laughs> Hate it. Dealing with a lot of small town mind and fires <laughs> of my own. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of 
small town mind and i'm really happy to see at the very least that there there's posters inside the firebase that define sexual harassment which is which is nice i won't get into how that fits into a larger uh tactical plan in terms of building consent culture but if we just remark on the posters alone it's it says stuff like uh, are people invading your personal space? Are people leering? That's mm. sexual harassment. You don't have to deal with it. And I'm like, wow, thank you. It doesn't stop people from doing it five times a day, but yep. um, yeah, thanks for the posters. Thanks. Yep. It's it's there constantly reminding me that, hey, all these microaggressions happening to me are actually a part of bigger problems. And yeah. I'm just going to take it as it goes, I suppose. Yeah, guess so, so love that for you. Thank you. Amazing. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So, although it won't be aired on Canada Day, we're actually recording this on Canada Day. Or as I like to call it, Stolen Land Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Colonization Day, really. Yeah. (laughs) Cultural Genocide Day, like whatever you really want to call that. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, Indigenous Day was just a a few days ago and now we have Colonization Day. So that's good awesome you know my canada day celebrations always come with a grain of salt mm-hmm. they're always like oh ha, let me <laughs> wear the canadian flag and completely forget the horrible past that is still affecting this uh this population that was killed off but no worries, no worries. <laughs> yeah i mean and i obviously get that you know it's not my place to make anything of it because i wasn't specifically targeted by this sort of colonialism Mm -hmm. as my folks were but you know anything that celebrates colonization is always something that i'm salty about to say the least yeah really yeah so you know recognizing my settler privilege and the fact that we're both like immigrant settlers is important but also yeah absolutely Screw stolen land day. <laughs> yeah, screw stolen land day. <laughs> um, you, you know what's funny? When I was away at conference at uh, for students for consent culture, I met this amazing activist, and I hope that she listens in on on this episode. I'm gonna send her a link to it. But mm-hmm. my my friend Masuma Masuma Khan is who's very famous in Halifax, let me just say this. Yeah. I had no idea who she was before we met, and then we were talking about our struggles. And, you know, I was taken aback by some of the struggles she's had. Like, you know, she was telling me about how she's been followed by white supremacists, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't relate to that. I mean... You know, no. we've had p- we've we've held posters in front of anti-abortionists, but that's the extent of our militant activism, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. And Masuma's like, oh yeah, you know, I've been I've been uh, attacked on Reddit and all these right-wing chats, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> great, wow. I, yeah, I haven't, but it's nice to nice to see that that's still happening to people. Love that for you. Oh yeah, no, genuinely, Masuma, if you're listening, I first heard about you just a couple minutes ago from Kran here, but I already love you, and I am sending you so much love, and yeah. I'm really excited yeah. to hear about. Uh, so Kran has a little story. Yeah, yeah. Here's the here's the thing about Masuma. She does not take any crap from anyone. She is such a grassroots community based organizer who recognizes the different ways that people communicate the different ways we need to take into account what community care looks like 
what self-care looks like and what ways we should be organizing better things like that like she's such a good activist and honestly Amazing. i'm shocked that i had never heard of her i mean i get that you know we're in a winnipeg bubble and they live in a halifax bubble i get that but she is hella famous like <laughs> it's true and i just want to talk about on stolen land day what she did she she was a student union member like she was an elected executive of the dal or the dalhousie students union mm-hmm. and um you know, she put forward motions and stuff on how Dal wasn't going to take part in any Canada Day celebrations and things like that. What yeah. a fierce yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Very radical. Very radical. I love it. And I mean, I mean, not to say that this is radical or anything. This is just common sense. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but you know, being perceived by right wingers, you're always radical. Naturally. Which is, which is natural, which is whatever. And so she wrote on her Facebook, and I love this because I love her, but she wrote on her Facebook and she said, White fragility can kiss my ASS. Your white tears aren't sacred. This land is. And you know what happened to her? (laughs) I love this so much. Yeah, I know. I literally love her so much. She goes through so much because, you know, she's a visible minority. She's a hijabi woman and i'll Mm -hmm. tell you a small story uh, of what happened to us that she brushed off because it happens to her in real life all the daily but i was shook by it I'll, i'll talk about it but she is just so good but because of this comment the dalhousie university tried to discipline her oh my god of course they did i mean you know she's been followed and stalked by white supremacists on her campus and things like that but no, we're not gonna we're not gonna discipline those people because that's fine apparently. That's excusable. But look at where they came from, of course. Yeah. Because where she comes from is somehow less valid. Yeah, no kidding. And like, you know, there was this other really weird student who wrote an article for the National Post, which I'm already critical of. I'm like, uh, okay, National Post. But it said things like well, are we just going to stop celebrating Canada Day? I, I, like, I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. It was, it was if stupid. we want to talk about the ideal outcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. It was ridiculous. I was like, are you kidding me? I read the article and I was like, this is trash. But it's like the same people who are those self-appointed freedom of speech warriors are now criticizing her and wanting her to be disciplined, whereas other people say transphobic, racist, sexist, Islamophobic stuff all the time and go unreprimanded constantly but the university actually tried to discipline her because of that because of that one statement which i was like is she wrong no she's not and it it really genuinely pissed me off i was very very upset but you know this has happened in the past and she's trying to you know move on from it she she, i can't even imagine the trauma that this university must have instilled into her but she's just more resilient for it. I mean, she's she's the target in Halifax of right-wing Islamophobic stuff all the time. I bet, yeah. Like, she is a living, breathing target for them all the time. And the fact that she resists it is enough for me to believe and have hope for the world. Yeah. Some people once tried to plaster her as this anti-Indigenous person. And she told me, well... My Mi'kma'ki grandmother stood by me as people tried to say to me that I was anti-Indigenous because I was building relationships in the community, whereas these people were trying to frame me as something else. But my community stood for me and said that, well, you want to 
tell us that she's anti-indigenous, talk to the indigenous people first and then label her whatever you want to. So, you know, she's this brilliant activist, very, very wow. much so values. So just a big shout out to Masuma. I mean, I can make a whole episode on Masuma Khan and how <laughs> amazing and brilliant she is as a person. But one of the saddest things that happened, not to me, but to us while I was in Ottawa, was that we were walking down the streets of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And Masuma is a hijabi woman. So, you know, she goes through this daily, probably. I can't even imagine this. But we were walking and the two of us were talking about politics, probably. Probably. Knowing me. (laughs) Yeah, knowing me. (laughs) (laughs) And we were walking and this white random dude walks by us. And as he's walking past us, he raises his two hands up in the air so as to surrender to us brown terrorists saying nothing to us. And Masuma looks at him and she's like, what the F? And people are watching this like people are just like, what the what the heck is going on? And he just walks past us. And that really that really messed me up. Like I went to bed that night, like crying a little. I was like, wow. So people look at me and think that I'm going to kill them. That's amazing. Love that for me. But to her, it was just like another thing that happened. And like, she's the one trying to help me work through it where I'm like, girl, like, how do you? She's so strong, which is like she shouldn't even be this strong because this shouldn't even be happening in the first place. But I'm just like blown away always. I, yeah. So I could go on and on about oh Masuma. My goodness. But yeah, that's just some something funny that she did, you know, n- not really funny, but white fragility can kiss my ASS. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and you get to work with her. I know. I'm privileged. Uh, like the fact that I get to build relationships with her and learn ways of organizing from her. I'm just like, wow, I'm so thankful. She is the kind of leader that we need yeah. in this country. I mean, yeah. Straight up. Yeah. No kidding. <sighs> my God. No kidding. Wow. Thanks so much for telling telling yeah. us about her. That's Yeah, I, of course. Wow. I hope you're listening, Masuma, because I want you to know how much you're loved and how much you are valued. You are getting oodles of love from Winnipeg. And I'm so sorry I just said noodles. Yeah, I hate you for that. That's that was Yeah. So that's a little bit about Canada Day and Stolen Land Day. Yeah. I kinda have another thought about Canada Day. Um and in terms of what that looks like in praxis. <laughs> uh, genuinely, yeah. because in the last couple of years I'm just like I I'm very comfortable no longer taking part in the festivities of Canada Day. It feels oh, yeah. it feels wrong to yeah. me. Yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah. And then if I have friends who I know are anti-colonial and still go to those celebrations, I guess I'm still kind of putting together how I feel. Mm -hmm. I know that people are in different stages of putting their theory to action, but I also know just how normalized it is to go to Canada today. Yeah, I have some thoughts on it because I'm very much complicit in this in that my friends will be like, oh, hey, like, let's go out to my house. We'll just like sit by the pool and stuff. It's the long weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Canada Day. Let's let's enjoy, which I have been a part of. I'll go swim with them. I go to the beach or something, which is fine. Yeah. All the while keeping in mind that I am not celebrating this. Mm-hmm. I am not taking part in paying towards any festivities that, you know, directly contribute to this commercialized aspect of indigenous genocide. But also visibility, you know, if I'm in a public space where people are celebrating Canada Day, 
am I being complicit in the whole, well, you know, <laughs> we we killed off so many of our people, but y'all enjoy your fireworks, I guess. You know, am mm-hmm, I being mm-hmm. complicit in that? Yeah. And sometimes I think yes, but what what about when and, and this really this shouldn't even be a topic of discussion I feel. Yeah. I I don't think that I should be celebrating Canada Day because at the end of the day I am complicit in Yeah, and we all benefit from the colonization of this land. Because so. I can't sit here and justify that oh I'm just watching the fireworks. I'm not doing anything, but I'm still mm-hmm. enjoying it. I'm still getting some sort of social capital out of it. Right. So am I really putting my theory into action? Probably not. Right. I I don't have a definitive answer for this. Yeah. I think I think it's a personal decision as long as you are aware of what exactly this is celebrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more of this discussion was happening specifically on Canada 150 two yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't think you have to despise yourself if you go to these celebrations. Um, sometimes a day off is something that the proletariat can really benefit from. Yeah, um, So for sure. It's just that, again, that's the thing about us being settlers is that our perspective doesn't really matter, matter here. You're right. And that's the reality of it. I yeah. mean, you know, I'm sure that we can think about ways to decolonize Canada Day, but that's the mm-hmm. problem is that decolonizing Canada Day means eradicating it, it means completely. Eradicating it. And that is not something that's going to happen because people won't let it happen. Right. So right can that. we can we bring in decolonial perspectives or anti-colonial perspectives into Canada Day celebrations? That sounds like a contradiction. It's a contradiction and it's hard to do. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I will just go to a Starbucks, perpetuate capitalism in other ways instead of neo-colonial ways, and <laughs> and uh, and enjoy my day off, and that's what I'll do. But all all the while, still learning about h- ways to decolonize and how to use my settler privilege to decolonize the land. Yeah. Wow. That's that's, that's a, a hard one. A much more well-formulated answer than I had. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's always hard. Yeah. But, you know, you'll always find the good guys who know about this oh, still going to still going and celebrating on Osborne Street, you know, the good guys. So sh- do you you you've repeated thoughts. that twice now? Do you want to talk about the good guys? I would love to talk about. All right. The good guys. Do it. We all know them. Yep. <laughs> we all know a Kyle or a Chad or a Bradley. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a two-part name. It can be a Brad or a Bradley, whatever you want it to be. (laughs) Um, The good guy is basically somebody who posits that uh, people's different ideas about politics um, are just a harmless difference in opinion. They're just differences in personalities, and they don't see why we all just can't get along. And there's... There's truthfully a particular insidiousness to this because they'll hear you. They'll listen to you. They'll understand you when you talk about 
why supporting these systems contributes to rape culture. Yeah, but you know, it, it's also always when you're talking about an extreme, when you're like, well, have you looked at the rape statistics? And that's when they'll be like, oh, I guess so. You know, you don't have to talk about... Or they about might even totally get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but then they go and they're still perfectly fine with being in the company of... Shady men. Overtly sexist, misogynistic jerks. Yep. Yep. And they see this as um, sort of a social strength in themselves to be like a social chameleon, mm-hmm. which I understand the desire to be a social chameleon. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have probably been there, if not are still there in some way or another. Yeah, yeah. But as you move forward and make your decisions on where you want to stand in things in life, I argue that you do have to make the decision at some point of whether or not you want it to be on the right or wrong side of history. Right. You can't just say that you're apolitical. No one is apolitical. Complacency in itself is a political stance. That means you're okay (laughs) with the status quo. Yeah. That means you're okay with people coming in and really the people in power doing whatever they want Mm -hmm. and because they're in power that is what makes them valid and well we're just too small to question that and it's just an acceptance of it yeah that's my problem with you know people who are politically apathetic because it's also like okay you can be whoever you are politically apathetic yeah you can be whoever you are and still you, you can be poor or you can be rich and you can be politically apathetic, but it's affecting you regardless of your social status, be it benefiting you or worsening your life. Yeah. So to me, the whole political apathy is just problematic because we have just let it slide to a point where, well, whatever happens, happens, and we're just going to die at the end. And this like nihilistic worldview Which, yeah, you know, I'm victim to sometimes, too, and I get that. Mm -hmm. But to completely be... It's hard to face. It is. And that's the thing. It's like if you are rich or you are white, a lot of these things are not affecting you. So you're like, well, everything's fine the way it is. And these things are not really a problem because they don't affect me. But, you know, that doesn't mean that they don't affect other people. So it's, it's just your willingness to ignore these issues and be like, Well, I'm fine the way things are and I have capital and I have, you know, be it financial capital or social capital or whatever. You still have power. You still have privilege and you're fine being politically apathetic. All these white Americans joking about, oh, we're going to move if Trump comes into power. And, you know, the Canadian website crashing when the immigration website crashing when Trump came into power. And I I heard this podcast on uh, I think it was pantsuit politics of how this white woman moved with her family to Denmark because she didn't want to deal with Trump and his presidency. But it's like this doesn't really affect you all that much. So you can be politically apathetic and then say things like, oh, Well, my involvement, you know, like she could have been involved in anti-Trump political stuff, but Mm -hmm. she chose not to. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence of her apathy, right wing populism took over. Trump came into power and now she has the privilege to move to Denmark and live a better life. But a lot of people don't, you know, so she chose to be apathetic at the time when it was happening. What she didn't want to happen happened because of her complacency and her privilege. 
And then she had more privilege to move to Denmark. It, it's like, and then the poor people are the ones who don't have a voice, who don't have a voice or who don't have the means of even educating themselves about what's happening to them mm-hmm. will never be able to organize well enough because they have to take care of their homelessness. They have to take care of addictions. They have to take care of so many other things, you mm-hmm. know, living off of minimum wage and trying to keep an apartment so that they don't go homeless because that's the state of affairs in Canada or in uh, the rest of the world, really. And they can choose to be apolitical, but their being apolitical has a reason behind it and has much more severe consequences. And it's just so problematic to me because we're never all going to be on the same page about it. People are always going to be like, oh, I don't really do politics. I don't really take part in politics. Yeah. But it's like, bruh, this affects you. It affects you. If you don't like politics, guess what? Your boss does. Your landlord does. Amen. Your teachers do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really, it's really so problematic. And that's a, that's, that's the criticism that so many people have about the left is that, you know, we're not educating, we're not organizing enough, we're not doing all <laughs> this. But then that's the problem is that how do you educate someone who is trying to fight homelessness? Like, you know, they have other <laughs> things on their mind. Not everyone can always. Uh, it's just such a the more I get into it, the more I'm like, well, we're all screwed. And, you know, maybe I should just become politically apathetic and just le- lead my life and let my landlord take over my life and let my work take over my life. And that's I'll just serve, you know, I'll just be exploited. I guess that's it. Yeah, it's <laughs> the difference between becoming apathetic to that and the difference Uh, between becoming apathetic to that and actually taking a stance on that is basically what do you want your focus to be do you want to have a focus on your life being good which is a totally valid goal yes you want to have social capital you want to um, make enough money to have food at the end of the day and if you're able to do that I'm really glad for you Mm -hmm. but if you don't have the money to do that you don't have any choice but to be political right if you have access to enough knowledge you have to be political to even be able to feed yourself at the end of the day so you have to acknowledge that if you do have enough money to feed yourself at the end of the day to have a roof over your head you do have a certain amount of privilege and you do have a responsibility to see the the greater picture yeah exactly is your life just about fulfilling your life or are you actually going to take a stance against the greater discourse that is contributing to the exploitation of the 99 percent of the population and if you see that choice and you do decide that you're just going to focus on yourself and you're just going to focus on your political apathy at the very least your first step should be to not try to convince the people who have taken a choice to focus on the broader picture. Don't try to convince them that they shouldn't care. Mm -hmm. Don't sit there and say, well, that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. Because there are people who are trying and there are people who are killing themselves trying. And do you think you're contributing by adding to the conversation with your pessimism? No. Nada. You're not. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going off of that, can I just quickly trash Pallister's ad? Please. I am always so I am ready. so sick and tired of this conservative, you know, marketing towards people who are apolitical or towards people who are already marginalized and think that 
conservatism is going to help them because this is what his like and this is a criticism on the left is that we're not organizing better we're not reaching out to people better like his ad you know always on the radio is like Pallister wants your money in your pocket and then I'm like oh yeah because my money in my pocket can't afford an education because my money is actually being sent to the 1% and then my money is in your pocket and then my money cannot afford education or healthcare or food or rent at the end of the day because my money was never in my pocket and these are the kinds of ads that are getting people to be like oh my god yes i don't want to pay taxes i want my money in my bank account but it's like but your money can't even friggin pay for healthcare like yes the taxes went down from 7% or 8, 9% to 7% at but what cost though? at what cost <laughs> like how many like i i don't think i know a single person right now whose job hasn't been affected by those cuts in some way for real like the university. firefighting program has taken cuts university our, our funding university mhm like my mm-hmm. job has been affected because of it and yeah, i can't you, speak yeah. too much to that but like and my support work job supporting individuals with disabilities that took a hit everything took a hit <sighs> and do you think the salaries of the 1% were a hit nope because Pallister wants your money in your pocket. I'm about to combust immediately. Okay, before you combust, <laughs> that's that's all the time that we have for today. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much for tuning in. And we're really happy that we got to do at least one episode together, if not Absolutely. more for the summer. Yes. But I am looking forward to you coming back and, you know, us having a good schedule. Throwing rages. At the conservatives. Always. Every day. Every day. Okay. Thanks, Cran. Thank you, Christina. Catch you next week. Hold on. I will stay strong and hold on. It won't be too long till the storm passes. Then the rain dries just like the tears in your eyes. Life can give you a surprise, bad and good, and in the hood, the pressure is high. I understand the pressure you had, man, you was our dad.